So I told Brandon and Praise Team First Service every Sunday, I learned something new. I learned something new every Sunday from our praise team, from the worship. So let me give you, let me give you a couple of thoughts right now. Here's what I learned this Sunday. I learned that you think like what you listen to. I think so. I think you think like what you listen to. Whether talk radio, cable news, your playlist, music lyrics, uh, the misguided musings of your own heart, or the Holy Spirit as you read God's word. Because you reading God's words, you reading God's words in the King James Bible is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Hello, somebody. Say, Alan, I don't think you got all of that just this Sunday. Listen, I've had two services now to think about it. So it was a lot shorter last service, wasn't it? It was a lot shorter, but I've been thinking about it. So what happens is when our praise team leads you to sing, you are able to say on Sunday what will make you stand on Monday. And you are able to say and sing with us today what will enable you to stand during the week. So praise the Lord for the praise team. We had some people standing yesterday, so I just want to give you this report. We had, I don't know, 18 to 20 volunteers throughout the time at at the Main Street Trunk or Treats here in Blue Springs. They gave out 700 pre-made bags with candy and tracks, 25 whole Bibles, 450 Johns and Romans, 250 toothbrushes because they did give out candy. (laughs) 250 toothbrushes. Uh, 300 bookmarks and about 400 clean heart tracks. And they did it on a day that was not that conducive for a <laughs> trunk or treat. Praise the Lord. So I'm, I'm thankful for all of you that helped with that, worked on it. And, uh, you know, we've, uh, yeah, yeah, here's what I discovered. Like this first Sunday we've had that there's really been a cold spell. Um, everything faces more friction when it gets cold. Right, so your car mileage goes down, you're facing more friction, and you know, it's like, okay, everybody's like, well, my knees are hurting, and my, you know, I don't know if I want to go in church today. You're facing more friction, but if you want to stand on Monday, you want to stand in the week, you need to be here on Sunday. So go ahead and bump elbows with your neighbor. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I'm just so thankful, Lord. We, yes, I'm blessed. Yes. And if it goes good, I'm blessed. If it goes bad, I'm still blessed. (laughs) If it goes left, I'm blessed. If it goes right, I'm blessed. You know, if it goes up, I'm blessed. If I got to go down, Lord, I'm still blessed. Lord, we owe you that praise up front. We owe you layaway praise, even when we haven't seen the gift you promised to give us. So, God, we ask right now, you'd speak to our lives, our hearts. God, speak into our hearts today. As we take the Lord's Supper together, for we ask it in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated in the Lord's presence. Somebody sagaciously suggested that a person without a vision is condemned to return to their past. 
Come on, you think about that, because we just had our Go Conference a couple of weeks ago, our annual missions conference, and the theme was Habakkuk and Timothy, and so we took a cue from Habakkuk that said you've got to get the vision, write it down, and from, from what Paul said to Timothy about stirring your gift to complete that vision through faith, and if you don't do that, you are condemned to repeat your past. And here as we stand here this morning, if I, if I again, uh, you know, on another Sunday, give you another brief report on how things stand. <clears throat> First of the year, we thought, man, I, I, I thought, I've had enough of this. Adults, adult classes off Sunday, we're going to give the space back to the kids that belongs to the kids. We're going to bring the youth back on Sunday. They hadn't been meeting on Sunday since COVID. And we're going to spend a million dollars. We're going to build 4,000 square feet. God saw us stir our vision and faith. And he said, oh, well, I'll do you about 12 times better. I'll give you 51,000 square feet for that same $1 million difference selling here and going there. So 1.0 miles east. I mean, it's not even 1.1. R.D. Meisen 7 Highway. You know, we'll close, Lord willing. So we, have a, we have a real estate contract now, um, uh, I say in place, but we finally received it uh, from Blue Springs School District. And uh, I think it is more or less an objectionable. What our lawyers are looking at that for, uh, to make sure. Probably we'll sign that. We already have a signed contract on the uh, old Timothy Lutheran property at Artie Mice. And, and so there you go. It looks like we, you know, trust the Lord. We may be able to close somewhere around the first of the year. I'm going to anticipate a soft launch uh, March 1st and grand opening in Easter. So you need to get plugged in today because we're going to change outlets. You need to get plugged in right now because we're going to be changing outlets. Have you got your Bible open in John chapter 18? Because now that we had the mountaintop experience of our Go conference, and now that we're going to be going through things over the next five months, I wanted us to focus on Simon Peter's failure to manage to Jesus' vision. And this is the valley that we all face when we come down from a mountaintop spiritual experience. And the only way to fix it, the only way to endure it, the only way to keep right on going through it all the way to becoming an overcomer is by what we consider. And let me just say this as, you know, your, your pastor and somebody who ought to make you sensitive to, you know, soul conscious and sensitive to spiritual issues and what's going on. I think that if Israel's going to go into Gaza and turn that place upside down and uh, destroy Hamas, then there is going to be a disturbance in the force in a lot of other places. And I think that some of you are experiencing that in your life at this time. I know I know I am. I know I have. I know I know of people that are experiencing things now that just happens to be right now. Satan always attacks on a broad front. Your only hope is in what you consider because it is what you're going to consider and in that sense listen to 
that's going to determine how you think and therefore what you are trusting God for. Watch on your handout. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. There's the vision. Partakers of the heavenly calling. How are you going to fulfill that calling? You still got to consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Hebrews 10.24, and let us consider one another to provoke. Consider to provoke. To provoke each other unto love and good works. And there is the vision. Hebrews 12.3, for consider. That's what we'll do today at the Lord's Supper. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. You better consider him lest ye be wearied in your minds. Hebrews 2.10, for it became him of, of whom all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So there's one thing that we got to do right now before we will be ready to move any place. And that is we got to lift Christ high. And we got to do that at, at our Lord's Supper services. So today I want to take the Lord's Supper by way of the companion contrast to Paul in the life of Simon Peter here in John chapter 18. Because here's my thesis for today's study. All of us have failed. To fulfill God's mission by not managing our life to God's vision. All of us have failed at different times. I'm not saying that we've all betrayed him. But there are many times in our life we've denied him. And it is vision that he's given us that we have to follow. But now in doing that, opposition always ensues. And yet David says in Psalm 119, verse 71, it is good for me that I've been afflicted. Why? That, so that I might learn thy statutes. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you won't read that on a Hallmark card. Uh, you won't hear it from Buddha or your therapist either. You won't read it in the confusion of Confucius. It is not in the Quran. Everybody fails. Everybody falls. But if you stir up God's vision and faith, your gifts to accomplish God's vision with faith, then God will use your failures to educate. So if you're here and you're not asleep, I know just what you're saying. Look, Alan, you know, many a Sunday I come in here and I, f I feel like you make my brain swell. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I feel like you make my brain swell. And so today is Lord's Supper Sunday, and I got to admit, Alan, I feel more like Simon Peter before the cross than Peter after Pentecost. And frankly, be honest with you, this vision thing scares me and this moving thing scares me. So don't let me leave here till you show me how can I use my stirred up vision to manage my life to God's mission. I'll be glad to help you out. Just give me a minute to unpack some principles from this passage on the life of Simon Peter. We'll clothe ourselves with their truth, get our healing, head out of here, 
after we've had the Lord's Supper together. So let's talk about managing the vision together because threaded into the tapestry of our text right here are three living lessons. Three living lessons about managing your life to the stirred up vision. After you come down off the mountain, after you hit the failed disciples, the frustrated father, and the frantic lunatic son in the valley, Matthew 17, verses 15 and 16. First thing you got to count on is this, this number one, to enable your stirred up vision, here's what you got to count on. Jesus will always meet you with his presence. Let the whole church say presence. Look at verse 16, John 18. But Peter stood at the door without, then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest. John is speaking of himself in the third person. And spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. So Peter is staggered with sorrow as he sees Jesus arrested. I think initially he responded as much out of fear as he did out of self-defense. And certainly he responded out of distrust because Jesus was well able to take care of his own self. As we see, if you look at verse 6, because the arresting body comes to Jesus initially. And they ask him, well, where's Jesus? And he uses the name of God on him. God is I am that I am. He says, I am he. And immediately, their knee has to bow. They fall backward to the ground. I don't know if you've ever considered this, but if you have an atheist or an agnostic friend who has ever said to you, well, I would just believe God if he would do something physically, if God would physically manifest himself to me, Dr. Gordon Stein, the guy debated at KU years ago, that's what he, you know, what would prove God to you? Well, if he levitates this pulpit, that would prove to me that God is real. Oh, really? You know, God did that for Jesus. I mean, for Judas. Jesus did that for Judas. I mean, he gave him something. I mean, at the very last moment, even when he was out to betray him, but before he had done so, Jesus gives Judas the unmistakable mark that he himself is God. He manifests himself, not just there in verse 6 when that happens, but also in, in Luke chapter 22, verse 51, where he put the high priest's ear back on. I mean, Peter had got it off. I don't know if that was... Bad marksmanship or uh, that the high priest servant was just quick, quicker than Peter. I'm not sure which it was, but all he got was the ear. And either Jesus reached down and reattached it, or he just grew another one back where the first one had been and said, you know, that really looks better. I didn't, I didn't quite like <laughs> the gauging you had done in your other ear. And... Uh, all right, so two, two times two things right then... He manifests himself as God. But now when we get back to Peter, what we see is, after first fleeing, Peter is now following, even though he's following from afar. And providentially, God sees to it that even in this hour of darkness and its power, as Luke 22 verse 52 calls it, Peter is still able to get the presence of Jesus. 
Now, let me open a window on that word because it's kind of descriptive of what I believe that we're going to encounter in the next five months together. If you get a stirred-up vision and you want to manage your life to God's mission, you need to let God give you a jet plane anointing. You need a jet plane anointing. You say, Alan, what's that? Well, I was, I was flying alone last time, uh, you know, when I went up, to, uh, went up uh, last month to, to the Certainty Conference. I was flying alone. And it must have been because I was flying alone, because I did not spend any time in the bar at KCI before flying. But I think because I was flying alone, uh, the plane started talking to me. Now, you know I ain't crazy, because I did say, you ain't talking to me. Uh, The plane said, no, no, Alan, Shakespeare said there are sermons in stones. God told me to give you some principles while leaving on a jet plane. I said, okay, say on. And he said, Alan, uh, you know, us jets are really just like you believers. I said, what can you possibly have in common with a Christian? He said, because jets do not have reverse gear. And you notice I cannot even get away from the gate unless someone or something gives me a push. He said, God, uh, Alan, I don't see why you're not getting this. Peter and John are both novices in spiritual experience until they got pushed. But after they got pushed, they had no air brakes and they had no reverse gear. And that brings us exactly to where we're at as a church. We're going to move from here to exactly and no more than one mile east of here. Well, we ain't, we ain't going backwards. And, and we got new vision. We're not going to be condemned to the past. So that brings us to the next principle in this paragraph. And I just hope you can handle this today. Because Jesus not only enables the vision by meeting you with his presence, but number two, Jesus always gives you his provision. Let the whole church say provision. Now, can I just put my kick down, kickstand down at that curb? Uh, Jesus knew it was Satan's hour and darkness's power. Jesus knew how during that time the devil was going to sift Peter. But if you understand God's providence, you know that that meant Jesus is planning in advance what Peter needs to keep from going out like Judas did. So Peter's saying, I ain't going out like that. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, he says, look, I've prepared for you in providence by praying for your faith that it will not fail even in your failure. So I provided in advance praying that it would not be fatal. And now when you get up from here, you get back on your horse and you use your vision to get you involved in the mission and then strengthen somebody else. See, that's why we do the Lord's Supper every fifth Sunday. So that you can see that when you crash, the comforter is closer than you think. Because you are Simon Peter in the shoreline moment a lot more than you will admit to me publicly. 
There are many times he has to appear to you and say, do you love me? Oh, well, then go out and prove it. Go, go feed somebody else. Get discipled. Become a discipler. Go out. Let's, this is a disciple-making church. Let's go do that. I mean, Jesus was on the other side. He was not on the other side of the city whenever Peter denied him. He was just on the other side of the fire. And Peter's blessing was just as close as his ability to look over that fire and see Jesus praying for his faith. I understand I ain't preaching to everybody in here today. But some of you need to shake your neighbor and say, I don't got to go anyplace else. My blessing is right here. Peter had Christ's presence for the vision. Peter had the Lord's provision for the mission. But that ain't even all because in the final analysis, this number three, Jesus always enables your perseverance. Down in verse 26, it says, One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose whose ear Peter cut off, So it wasn't that particular servant, but it was his relative. Saith, did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew, but it ain't all over for Peter. Story does not end at this verse. My God is so good, he provides pardon after your problem. That is what we see at the Lord's Supper. So that you can, but listen, listen, it's not given for no purpose. It is given so that you can manage your life from this table right here to fulfilling God's mission with your life. So let's remind ourselves of that. Let us remind ourselves of his provided pardon and his provided provision in this Lord's Supper. Let me go ahead and ask the deacons to get ready and uh, start coming up. And also, if you came in and you do not have um, our little um, thing here that has the elements, so it's got an um, unleavened bread wafer on one end, it's got uh, the juice on the other end. If you don't have one, need one, raise your hand, and they will give one to you. You do not have to be a member of our church in order to participate in the Lord's Supper at our church, but you ought to be able to answer yes to at least three questions. Number one, have you trusted Jesus for everlasting life and been born again? Are you a Christian by being born again? Number two, have you shown that by being baptized by immersion in another church that preaches you must be born again? And number three, are you old enough? And willing to examine yourself in the faith, just like right now, like we're doing right now, so that you know that you are eating worthily because all your sin is confessed to him. This is how we, we should have continuous revival. I mean, I understand there are a lot of churches out there that wear the label Christian and they have all sorts of different ways that they will do um, communion and all sorts of things that they would tell you that it means. But I'm just saying that a church like ours ought to be in a state of continuous revival because you cannot go more than, what is it, three months, four months 
since we do it every, every fifth Sunday, you can't go more than that amount of time. Having some sin in your life, unconfessed, having some grudge against a brother or sister that you haven't addressed, this is our time to make sure that we've done that in our life and we can go forward with him. So turn now, if you would, to Luke chapter 22. And uh, the first thing you should do is turn this so that you have the unleavened wafer at the top. And then open, just pull back the uh, foil seal on that. You can open it up and get the bread out of there. This supper signifies and solidifies both our communion union with Christ and our fellowship with each other through his provided pardon. Did you know the fellowship that we have, the fellowship that we share together isn't dependent on anybody else but Jesus? And I know that All of us come from physical families, and sometimes there are people in our physical families we don't have anything to do with. I mean, sometimes people create a choice for us, and the only choice they leave us is either become like them or don't be around them. And that's the physical family, because it's based on that. Well, this spiritual family, and spiritual family trumps your physical family, because this is the only one that's eternal. So in the spiritual family, Jesus makes sure it doesn't rest on any one of us. Our fellowship together with each other only rests on our communion with him. So I'm going to ask Brother Garrett Ogle, if you would, would you lead us in a word of prayer to thank God for for the bread? Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for your sacrifice for us, Father. Your, your love, your care, Lord. Uh, you gave your, your life, your body for us to be able to, to have this communion, to have this time with you, Lord. And um, you cared so much about us, Lord. And I thank you for that. I pray that you would help us to remember and to honor and glorify you with our bodies. Thank you again, Lord. Amen. Luke 22, if you'll look at verse 19, it says that Jesus took bread and gave thanks and break it, because it was all still in one cracker uh, for them, and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do. Do this in remembrance of me. So with the broken bread in our hands, let us take, eat, and remember. Now I want you to take this again and put the foil flap at the top and open it so you can get to the grape juice and uh, you know again if anybody spills it or anything like that you need you need us to replace that just raise your hand we got some of our deacons watching I appreciate them serving helping me serve you here in the congregation us doing this so um, just peel that back that enables you to get to the grape juice I'm going to ask uh, brother Bart Guffey if you would will you lead us in prayer thanks Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus, and your blood that you shed on Calvary's cross. That, uh, like the hymn says, it'll never lose its power. 
and um, it's your blood that even in the good days and the bad days that we're still your children Lord your sons and uh, we thank you for it father and ask that you never let us forget that in Jesus precious name Next verse, verse 20 in Luke 22 says, Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So now with this fruit of the vine in our hands, drink ye all of it. I want to say thank you to the deacons who have helped us today, and you all can be seated. I want us to go back to Peter for a moment. Because you got to get this before we go. And this is really our only major point for study today. All spiritual failure is a defective consecration to God's stirred up vision. I think so. I, I think so. I think all spiritual failure is a defect in your consecration to God's stirred up vision in you. I mean, pick any saint and any sin. And their failure points to a fault in managing their life to the mission God had for them. Take Samson, for example. His failure was because of a fault in his consecration to God. It wasn't because he did this or that or ran out with Delilah and, you know, whatever. No, I mean, all of that, I'm not saying that that wasn't sin. But the problem was, He failed in his consecration to God. Okay, look, if it ain't practical, it ain't preaching. I am not preaching if I've not made this practical. So check this. You will never decide to tithe if you do not desire to fulfill the mission with us. Because you know how we are. I know how you are. You know how I am. I even know it's only one dime out of every dollar. We'd be like, we're going to be like, no, I've got bills. No, I've got debts. No, I've got credit cards. No, I've got stuff I got to do. You know, I got people to meet and places to see and things to do. And no, I think that you'll never, if you're not tithing already, you will never decide to tithe until you desire to fulfill the mission with us, consecration. But now flip that script because A growing, healthy church results in a life vitality in you, in you, in your home, and in this community. I mean, some of us are old enough to remember the culture wars, whatever that was. Well, how did that go for us? Why did we ever get sidetracked with that? Like there's something other than souls that we are supposed to be saving. So pick any saint and any success. Joseph resisted Potiphar's wife because he knew that God had him in slavery to accomplish a mission with his life. He got a vision, remember? God gave him a vision. In a dream, he got the vision. He even related it to his dad and his brothers. And even though that was part of the reason that he was in the predicament he was in, He still understood God's providence. He still understood that God can make him perfect through sufferings. I mean, he could have used that as an excuse. Most of us do. Well, you know, I was going along great for God, and then God let this happen to me. 
And, you know, I just kind of fell off after that, you know, and we, we kind of hold their hand and, and make people not feel bad. But maybe they ought to feel bad about doing that. It's like, really? Did you not consider Jesus? Did you not consider the captain of your salvation? But wait now, hold it. If he's captain and not something else, that means he's directing you someplace. He's directing you. He's instructing you. He's giving you orders, a mission to fulfill because he's captain. Did you not consider him? Joseph did not want to sin against God because he did not blame God for his pain. He saw the purpose in divine providence. Think about Elijah. Here's Elijah. He's on the mountaintop, Mount Carmel. And then when he comes down, he gets so depressed. He says, look, God, I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. You know, God is very gentle and God feeds him and God lets him rest and God gives him provision and, and, and a vision and tells him what to do next. But then God brings him back to waking reality and says, oh, by the way, there are 6,999 others who have not bowed their knee to Baal either. So you may not see them and you may feel lonely because you don't see them. That don't mean they're not there. So maybe you ought to just not feel lonely even though you're alone. Because I got other people, I put my stamp and my mark on, and they are mine, and they're with me, and they're doing what you are, and doing what we should do. And in every case, take any, any saint and any success, their love was predicated on their consecration and managing to the mission that God had envisioned. So Jesus provides Peter with the same pardon that he wants to provide you. Because what God cares about is not buildings, budgets, policies, or programs. Although we got to be wise in that. Okay, we got to be harmless as doves and wise as serpents in those things. Yes. But God only cares about facilities if they facilitate ministry. We can't let God give us a bigger facility and not have a bigger ministry because what God cares about is people. The souls of men and women. Your kids. Their soul walk with God. Their prayer life. And them turning to God in every event of their little life. So because God cares about people, he's given us a vision for a new location, and God is showing us his plan. So we just had our staff retreat, our pastor's retreat, this, this last week. We try and get 48 hours away over, over the course of three days, far enough away that you can't bother us. And, you know, every year we've got to figure out the budget and the calendar this year, uh, we had to figure out a budget that is going to be bigger because it's and project what we need in a bigger space and what that budget should be. And so what we're going to have to ask you for and what we are trusting God to provide. But now he's going to provide that part through you. And then we got to figure out the calendar. What do we do in this new place? How do we make it our own? 
How do we possess this land on the way to other things we should do? So I am going to give you a complete report Monday, November 13th at the R.D. Mize property, 425 Northwest R.D. Mize Road, just 1.0 miles east of here, 6.30 p.m., Monday. Now, we, we kind of did an open house over there for an hour. Remember we did that last month? 6.30, 7.30, whoever wanted to come, walk through it and see it. Is God in this or not? And probably, I don't know, 150 or 200 people came out. So I'm gonna, we're going to take that, we'll take an opportunity. They're going to let us in November 13th. We will go in that sanctuary. We will sit in there. I'm happy to give you a report of what we, the work we did so that you wouldn't have to do. Uh, that came out of the pastor's retreat that you can now build on and give us your suggestions or input. So I'll give a full report. November 13th, 6.30 p.m. You know, I don't know how many of you, when you, whenever you were a kid, you fell out of bed. I hope it wasn't a bunk bed, but you fell out of bed. I probably did that three times, three or four times when I was very young. So, um, you know, going all the way, way back when I was three or four years old, maybe, I can, I can remember falling out of bed. And uh, so there was a child one time, fell out of bed and asleep, and he uh, was crying. Mama rushed in and said, you know, eventually calms the crying and says, well, why'd you fall out of bed? And he said, I guess I fell asleep too close to where I got in. Now, I don't see why you didn't get that. Because too many believers fall asleep too close to where they got into the Christian life. And they got into the Christian life, and then they got comfortable, and then they fell away. So let me wrap it up today with three strategic things. Three things that we teach in order for you to manage to God's mission. This is the vision that was stirred up in you at our GO conference. This is the vision that we will be laying out for this next year in a new place. This is the vision you need to run with after you read it just like Habakkuk did. So three things we teach you first, the virtues to live by, character qualities, values. Why did we ever get away from that? And I know, I understand, because I'm president of the board for a school. So I know Desi is making a core curriculum that includes SEL, which, which, which is social-emotional learning, which is about me, we, and others. Okay, let's see how that works. Absent teaching and training on character. How did, you know, even the lost world had a good thing going whenever they taught character qualities that you should have as a child and you should be developing into adulthood. Nobody else is doing that. We've got to do that. We have to, we have to do that with your kids and we're going to figure out a way to integrate some of that between adults and kids this next year. Second, we teach the reality of the kingdom that we live in by faith. That is our discipleship. We are a disciple-making church. And we will show you and we will teach you that reality. 
Third, we will teach you how to magnify God's word and lift up Jesus because the two are tied together. You know, God says, Psalm 138 verse 2, Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And guess what? What does John tell you in his gospel? Jesus is the word. John chapter 1 verse 1 and verse 14. He is the word, big W. So you've got to magnify the words in order to lift up Jesus. And right now, right in here in this service, we have people who have allowed themselves to be moved by the Holy Ghost beyond the grasp of the gravity of their own personal needs and hurts. And I think that today you have been moved beyond the gravity of week-to-week survival, at least that's my goal on Sundays, to move you to managing your life toward God's mission. And some of you broke so broken through the gravity, you are now engaged with us in ministry. So I thank God for those people who usher and greet and keep us safe on Sunday and I thank God for those people who run the audio and lead us to lift up praise and especially work with our kids. Because getting going and moving in ministry takes you to a whole new level of spiritual maturity. And I know you want the easy way out, but this is the answer. So can you just time out on being weak? Can you time out on being weak for a minute? And can you decide to get involved? Get plugged in now because we are going to change outlets. Decide to get involved. Can you get going with vision so that together we will be fulfilling God's mission? Because we got a unique thing going on here. With our view of kids and what they need and what we're going to teach them, that's a unique thing. Everybody does something else. Everybody else does something different. No, we're going to do this. We're going to get back to this. With the Bible, we're going to teach them how to live. We're going to teach them how to, you know, we're going to be concerned about their soul walk and their prayer life and them turning to God in every single thing during the day. So we're going to do that. And you know, we got another unique thing about this church because we know we have God's words. We know where they're found. We know how to give them to people. We know what we've got in a King James Bible compared to what goes down in most of Christendom today. I mean, there are reasons why it's late to see an age. <laughs> and, and that's one of them right there. Well, okay, we don't buy into that. And I ain't ain't throwing shade on anybody. I'm just telling you what we've got and what we're going to do. And that makes what we have unique. And this is why God is moving us to a bigger place to affect more lives and get more glory to him. And that is going to happen despite the fact that we are in the last days of the church age. God has a plan of salvation for you. But now wait, and you know, almost every Sunday, I make sure that I take a moment and let you know God has a plan of salvation for you so that your fat does not fry in the fire of hell. 
Okay, almost every Sunday, I don't do it that way, but almost every Sunday I do that, but not this Sunday. I mean, we just had the Lord's Supper this Sunday. God has a plan of salvation for you because God wants you to extend it to your family, your friends, your network of neighbors, family, and friends. God wants you to take the gospel you have received and gotten saved by and gotten everlasting life with and give it to your peers, your parents, your professors, and they don't deserve it because they're sinners just like you. Lost. They cannot earn it with their good works and they don't know that yet. They don't know the key. They don't understand the kernel truth of the gospel. But the only way you can get salvation from the Father is by becoming a friend of the Son. So the good news is, after you get that, God sends you out to pull others in so he can give them salvation too. And right to God's presence, right to abundance from Jesus' provision and and a right to access to Christ's pardon. And that is how you get God's purpose for your soul in eternity. It is from participating with us in the mission. Every head bowed, every eye closed, every Christian pray. Thank you for your time. Mine is almost up, but maybe you need to pray this prayer with me right now. God, save me today for Jesus' sake. I mean, I'm going to trust today in Jesus alone for exactly what he promises me, everlasting life. And then, God, I want you to give me courage to step forward and to meet with those people at the front, at the altar today, down any one of these aisles, so I can get that book that Alan wrote on next steps for new believers. And I thank you today, Lord, for those who have been honest with their spiritual needs at this Lord's Supper. Make that fact indicative of a repositioning of their heart toward you. Help those who have been trapped in fear to be free. Answer their prayer for forgiveness and salvation. Give them the courage to seek assistance from our altar counselors. Give them boldness. Call time out on weakness because they are tired of being afraid. Help them change that today. And then, Lord, give us all the boldness of believers to share the victory, to share the story of our new life in Christ with those who are around us. Help us advance your mission by following that vision. And train our kids and bring others to Jesus.